at Melde. The cat woke up slowly. At first, he was confused and a bit frightened especially as he seemed to be constrained. Then he thought that he could hear Kalpin talking nearby reassured he relaxed and drifted back to sleep. The next time he woke up he felt more comfortable and realized that he didn't feel restrained. Slowly he opened his eyes and looked around carefully. He was lying in a basket, like the ones used to carry infants and he could see that someone had lined it with a fleece. He felt warm and could hear a fire crackling behind him. The room he was in was bright and airy, but he did not recognize it. Somewhere nearby he could hear a group of musicians practicing. They sounded bad and he thought the neighborhood cats might carry a tune better. His mind drifted for a short while, then the music stopped and then he could hear young voices seemingly just outside the room he was in. He had been listening to a lesson he assumed, but that would mean he was in a bar to college. Melde, he hoped, because Jaila came from there. Thinking of his friend he meowed, not knowing if she had survived their attack on the Darltorians. Almost instantly he heard movement and then Jaila was kneeling by his basket. Kathkin, are you back with us? Her hand cupped his head, and he could see tears forming in her eyes. Before he could answer Master Kalpin placed his hand on Jaila's shoulder and leaned over to view him too. Don't worry if he still seems to be an ordinary cat, it may take him some while to recover all his senses. The deep sadness in the Master Healer's voice silenced Kathkin for a moment. He felt humbled by the implications of this great man's sorrow and the tears in his friend's eyes. Jaila, Master Kalpin, he croaked quietly. His throat was very dry and he found it hard to enunciate the words. Greetings, my friends. Can I have something soothing to drink? Jaila said something he didn't catch as her voice broke, but as she scooped him up into her arms and gently kissed his forehead, he understood her joy. She moved him so that he was against her right shoulder looking backwards. Her hands were both supporting him and restraining him, just like you would if you were giving medicine to a pet. He purred loudly as Master Kalpin approached him with a spoon and a bottle. The healer poured a thick green liquid into a spoon and held it out towards him. The cat opened his mouth allowing the man to gently pour the medicine into his mouth. It tasted of herbs, honey, and something he didn't recognize, macerated in the wine base. As a cat he didn't like the taste, but he was wise enough to drink it all. He licked his lips, disliking the cloying sweetness in his mouth and the man offered him the leather teat of a baby's bottle. He suckled at it, tentatively at first then greedily as he tasted a weak version of one of Jayala's teas. After a minute or so he stopped drinking. Oh, the humiliation. To be reduced to my second kittenhood. He meowed loudly. Then purring ecstatically continued, Oh my good friends thank you. I do not remember how I come here, but I am certain I owe you my life at least. Oh Kath, it is a long story. The girl laughed happily at him as she placed him on the table I suggest we sit down more comfortably so that I can watch your expression. I would like a cup of tea while we talk while Master Kalpin would probably enjoy some wine. Only for the sake of my health of course young lady. Master Kalpin smiled at the bard. It struck the cat that their relationship had deepened to an almost father and daughter level of love. He was glad for his friends as they were both caring people. The girl struck a small gong by the fireplace. About two minutes later the door opened a boy dressed in an apprentice's tunic entered the room. Jaila ordered their drinks and the student left quietly. All those studying at a bardic college do some domestic chores every day, Master Kalpin explained. They are learning to be bards and appreciate the need for them to be quiet and respectful to musicians. It also reduces the number of outsiders employed by the college which is something we healers should consider. What do you remember of our attack? The girl asked as she seated herself by him with the healer opposite. I recall hanging the stone from a broken branch and I'd started back across the river when I heard a rushing noise, and something tenuous hit me. It was like being in an acidic thundercloud. 
I felt thorns stabbing me all over my body and I was racked with pain. My spell failed and I fell. The last thing I remember was screaming as the water closed over me. You were shot by one of the Darltorians and hit by one of those writhing black clouds. I saw you fall into the river. Kafkin saw the remembered horror on her face as Jaila paused for a second. I wanted to come to your aid but knew I had to complete our mission. I cast the first two discs and saw them slam into the supporting frame. The crystal started pulsing and I knew that it was going to overload as my magic flooded it. I launched the third disc at the Firestone and dove into the river to rescue you. We underestimated the power of that crystal. She caressed his head lovingly, and the efficacy of your magic. As soon as the Darltorian device exploded your pebble triggered a firestorm. I think only the fact that I had already dived into the water to find you, saved our lives since the initial flash caused the surface of the river to boil. Fortunately, the fire provided enough light for me to locate you quickly. I found sanctuary in that old dock amongst those semi-submerged branches and the water plants. You weren't breathing but bardic apprentices are taught basic medical techniques I knew what to do. It was a fight to get you breathing again and I feared that you'd suffered some brain damage. Jaila's voice caught, and Kathkin could see that she was close to tears as she relived what must have been a very desperate time. He stood up on his hind feet and placed his front paws around her neck, hugging her as much as he could while purring reassuringly. So, when your body awoke but your mind didn't, we feared that the magical attack you'd suffered coupled with the length of time that you didn't breath, had damaged you beyond repair. The master healer gestured to the table as the same boy entered with a tray, placed it where indicated and left silently. You were unconscious for seven days before you woke the first time. For the last ten you've woken sporadically but seemingly only as a normal cat. I started to believe you'd suffered a permanent injury and mourned the loss of a friend. Jayula, got that basket, though, and has taken you everywhere and has been talking to you constantly, certain that her voice might provide a thread that would help you come home. I think my friends, the cat said thoughtfully, that the Darltorian weapon injured me physically, mentally and even spiritually. It hurt me so badly that my mind retreated as far as it could. I must admit that I am frightened of facing them again, however, if I don't summon up my courage and fight them, they have beaten me. Kathkin sat down again and glared at the healer. The cat was obviously somewhere else. Then in a stern cold voice he stated, I will not allow that. You were very badly hurt. There were marks all over your skin as if you'd been attacked by a jellyfish. Wherever these tentacles had touched you there were odd circular acid burns with a puncture mark in the middle. Master Kalpin was quite clinical. I remember the way you described the two missiles you saw launched at Henstrackle and having seen your injuries I think they actually fire some type of device that summons a dark elemental creature. That would explain why you felt like you had been spiritually attacked. The creature is probably bound to the magical device that launches it. From what we have learnt about the Darltorians I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow took the energy the elemental draws away from it. Jaila who had been busy pouring Master Kalpin's wine in her tea took up the conversation. Once the fire had died down, I was worried that the lingering smoke might damage your lungs, so I floated downstream till we were well clear of the woods and then spent five days travelling to Melday. On the first night after the fire, I had climbed quite high into the hills. I made a cold camp that evening where I could watch our back trail to see if we were pursued. Although there were no pursuers that night, I could see several ornithopters in the distance. I think that they were somewhere near that woodland. Seeing all that activity, I decided to avoid the roads and traveled across country. I didn't have any fires at night as there seemed to be more Darltorian craft following the roads. She stretched luxuriously and smiled at him. I've been here for 12 days so it is now 17 days since you got injured. While you have been sleeping, I've been recounting our adventures and writing reports. I'd like to read them through to you so you can make any corrections. 
Jaila smiled again, I'll inform the college masters that you are awake and then, tomorrow, I'll introduce you to one of the mages who is attached to the college. Kavkin spent the rest of that day lying in his basket by the side of the desk in Jaila's temporary room. She read over her reports from the time she had met a Darltorian ornithopter, on the night he had been running from the Solarian stones, up until her arrival at Melday. The cat commented on a few things where his perspective of the events had been different, and the girl carefully noted his comments in addition to her own. It was clear to Kathkin that their friendship had deepened now that they had saved each other's lives several times. It was possible, he thought, that this new intensity might extend into a link between their schools of magic even though they were very different. The smell of food wafting on the air, and a change of light as dusk came on, brought an end to their review of her reports and the girl put her writing equipment away. She then picked up a new hairbrush and started brushing his hair for him. He knew he could do it for himself, but he really appreciated that it was a mark of affection, and anyway it was very pleasant. Once she was satisfied with his fur she changed into a clean and newly pressed journeyman's robe and quickly arranged her hair using a set of silver clips he hadn't seen before. Kathkin, Melday is my home college, Jaila smiled at his reflection in her mirror. When I'm on the road my excess possessions are stored in the cellars. As I'm only a journeyman I use whatever empty rooms are available during my stay. As soon as I become a master, I will be assigned a permanent room and most of my belongings will remain there if I'm on the road. Senior bards have a lot of say in how their quarters are arranged and I do hope but when my turn comes you will help me design our chamber. I hope so too, he purred. I can't see myself being happy in a cold, drafty tower somewhere in the wilderness or in one of those awful scholars' apartments like Lantrony rented in Henstrackle. The girl stood up, and he noticed that she wore, what were essentially scabbards, on either hip that contained her silver pipe and tuning fork. Why are you armed? He asked in surprise. Oh, my good friend, she laughed happily. We are going to dinner not to a war. While staying at a bardic college all bards are supposed to carry a musical instrument with them, as we can get randomly called upon to play. The tuning fork is a symbol of my rank and I would be improperly dressed if I failed to wear it openly. She picked him up and lifted him up onto her shoulder. Thinking about her preparations and the fact that she had mentioned dinner he realized that she was putting on a show, so he sat upright in his polite position balancing carefully with small movements of his legs. He glanced down at her face, this meal is causing you some concern, my friend. I think you're preparing for a performance. If you tell me what to expect I will at least not embarrass you. Kath Clifer not much that I do escapes you. She reached up to rub a finger along his chin. The masters of this college have decreed that I will bring you to a formal dinner if you regained your wits. When I reached Melday I petitioned them to give you sanctuary as a citizen of the realms who had been of aid to us. Some of them doubted my story and want to see you in a public setting before you demonstrate your intelligence in front of them at a private college meeting. There has also been a lot of gossip about what happened to me. Some feel that I might bear some responsibility for Lord Tyrell's actions. If anyone gives you a hard time, Kathkin growled, I'm more than happy to repeat my King Vernon's Hall spellcasting. Please don't Kath. We have wooden floors here and I do love this building, but I agree it would encourage people's belief in you. I must admit that I'm not happy with this presentation. I thought we were going to keep the fact that I am a sorcerer a closely guarded secret. Kathkin, Master Kalpin had a meeting with Mistress Hawthorne, who is our college head, and they decided that the more we try to hide you the more rumors will fly. She smiled as she opened her door and started through the corridor towards the main hall. We will not explain your origin. For all intents and purposes you are just my cat. How do you explain my ability to talk? Master Kalpin suggested that we altered the story about your first meeting with the Fae. Now the fairy brat gave you speech as a cruel joke. After we met, 
I worked with you and you have, apparently, the understanding of a bright four-year-old. Why did he come up with that story? When your injuries were examined for magical traces my dear Autumn Cat, as well as an infection of Darltorian origin you apparently have a permanent fey enchantment. It seemed to be a good idea to explain it in a non-threatening way. Alright, I'll play the part, while keeping my eyes open. Kathkin sat quietly until the girl had reached doors that, from the smells, led into the dining hall. Bringing his mouth down near her ear he meowed in his most petulant tone, Are we there yet? Yes, oh impatient one, we are here. The girl, laughing, struck the tines of her tuning fork against the wall and then touched the butt against a metal disc set into the door. The note sounded clearly, amplified by a sounding box built into the portal. Then the left-hand leaf swung open and smiling Jaila walked into the hall. Kathkin could feel every eye on them. He straightened up as his friend walked towards the center of the room. The hall could have held at least two hundred but there were only about a tenth of that scattered around the room. He was puzzled until he realized that all the people in the room had bardic insignia and there were no other trainees present. Whatever happened tonight was obviously for bardic eyes only. Most of the people in the room were happy and he knew Jayula had come among friends, but as a cat he could sense that there were some people who disliked her. He decided that he would keep his eyes open until he understood why. Welcome Jayula. An obviously elderly, but still beautiful woman stood up from the high table. Now that your companion has recovered sufficiently to join us, I felt you would be more comfortable sitting at the guest table with Master Kalpin and his journeyman. Thank you, Mistress Hawthorne, that would do admirably, the girl responded, waited for three seconds, and lightly flexed her shoulder. The cat, suddenly warming to his role, lurched slightly, and looked around. A few titters of laughter sounded in the body of the hall. Focusing on the older woman, he bowed towards her and purred clearly while emphasizing the feline nature of his voice. Mistress Hawthorne, I thank you for your welcome, and for your kind actions in aiding a wounded stranger. There were a few seconds silence, the old lady smiled at him. Master Kath, I stand corrected. Although I have been told that your mind is different from my own, I have no right to treat you like a child and should have greeted you directly. You came to the aid of a bard on two occasions, showing understanding and courage both times. You are a true friend of Melde, and bards do not forget. Jayula walked over to the guest table and Kathkin noticed with great pleasure that Taimon rose gracefully and held a chair for her. Master Kalpin also rose as she approached. It was obvious that it wasn't just convention that motivated the two men, but a genuine deep respect. During the meal, that Jayla insisted on cutting into small pieces for him, the three humans brought him up to date with what had been happening since he had been injured. The false King Aslian has issued a proclamation naming all the lords who attended the meeting at King Vernon's Hall as traitors. This proscription extends to all their family and all members of their households. Against all tradition he has also named all the bards and healers who were staying there on those days. Master Kalpin lightly patted the cat's paw. There is one clause that I think you'll enjoy that reads as well as diverse mages, whose identity remains unknown, but I am most desirous of taking into my custody, to answer for crimes against my much-loved Lord Tyrell and mine own peace. I think that actually refers to one Ginger Tom, who we ourselves consider much loved. If you are right, it would be a good idea for me to stay out of his way until King Vernon has him in chains, Kathkin smiled back at his friends, or at least until I have learnt some reliable combat magic. From what Jaila has told me I may have overdone it again. When you play with fire, you aren't very subtle. Timon observed with a laugh. It is quite common for new voice students to shout rather than actually attempting to sing, Jaila observed thoughtfully while idly running her finger lightly round the rim of her wine glass. They seem to think that sheer volume makes up for their lack of training. I believe Kath is in a similar position. 
He's only been taught to cast cantrips properly so he uses rather inappropriate spells and just pours all the power he can draw into them. I've realized that he used exactly the same spell to light my campfire as he did to kill the monster in King Vernon's Hall. I have already arranged for us to meet with Magister Franklin tomorrow morning. Publicly it is to make sure that there are no lingering effects of the Darltorian enchantment that might hurt our friend. Between ourselves Mistress Hawthorne wants the wizard to confirm that our friend is actually a magic user and not some clever puppet. Master Kalpin noted. The Magister is a good open-minded man, who admitted that Kathkin might have benefited from a fortunate set of coincidences. To go back to Aslian's proclamation he tells the population that he has invited our good friends from Darlter to help us in the current emergency and they are to be treated like the realm's own constables. Quite a few people in Henstrakel have been executed for dissent. Fortunately, we had warning and managed to get most of our people to safety thanks to Lady Alice's foresight. The Darltorians' airboats are openly patrolling our roads, but several have been bought down by troops of mounted archers who the king has tasked with supporting. Master Kalpin switched subject adroitly with no apparent break, tricks were you teaching your pet before his accident, I believe you were going to train him to dance? I'd started with a form of dressage so we can put on a show as. Jayala stopped abruptly and stood up. Master Renard, how can I aid you? Kathkin glanced round at the sound of a footstep close behind them. A tall handsome man with an apparently habitual scowl had approached the table. The master bard slowed down and gazed at the girl with an expression that was meant to be intimidatory. Journeywoman. I did not agree with your being seated away from the other students of your rank. But then I reflected that as your criminal negligence led you to inciting the passions of a well-connected lordling you are not worthy to sit with honest bards. Only the grace of all good spirits stopped your actions from damaging Melday's reputation beyond repair. The council will see you tomorrow, and I will not only insist that you are expelled but demand that you be handed over to the king's justice as all three of you at this table are on his list of traitors. Kathkin knew that Jayla was in a delicate emotional state following his injury and he could see that her smile was very fragile. Timon was starting to push back his chair and the cat understood that it would be very bad for the young man if he struck a master from another mastery. He stood up and moved so that he was glaring directly at Master Renard. He was shocked when he realized that for all his apparent fury the man wasn't angry, he was just coldly calculating. I suggest, Master Bard, that you back down. Your hostility is as unfounded as your anger is false. I don't know why you are play-acting, Kathkin growled quietly, pitching his voice so that only those around his table could hear him, any assault on a guest would shame Melday and I will protect my friend. The cat heard a low gasp from Master Kalpin but kept his attention on Master Renard waiting for any small movement that would telegraph an attack. How dare you little girl! I taught you misdirection. You think a mere ventriloquism spell would fool me? Kathkin suddenly realized that bards could gather power from any performance and for some reason this man had been stealthily preparing for some time, perhaps for the whole meal. The cat knew he didn't understand what was happening so decided not to attack. Unfortunately, he didn't know any appropriate spell. In desperation he started visualizing the Autumn Queen's whirlwind of leaves. He smelt leaf mold and touched a well of power he had never experienced before. Master Renard's lips pursed as he began to whistle so Kathkin cast. A shrieking whirlwind laden with rather wet autumn foliage materialized around the table. There was a wet slapping sound as a few leaves struck the bard and he expelled his breath rather than casting. Peace, Master Cat, Renard laughed while raising his palms face upwards. I'd heard rumors, but I wanted to check for myself. Excuse me for a moment I would talk to you some more, but I think I should explain what happened to everyone. The master bard turned towards the room and wrapped his tuning fork on the table to get everyone's attention. I apologize for the interruption to your meal, 
but I had a chance to run a demonstration for the group that tried my patience this afternoon. I was explaining to them that you cannot rely on your bardic immunity while traveling as there are always drunken idiots and our work does take us into taverns. I told my class that in situations like that, unless we are sure that our attacker intends to hurt us, we should never respond with physical violence. You can escalate later but responding with misdirection in the first place is better. Our magic lends itself to illusion so practice as it will help with your performances. Renard sang a short phrase and a perfect yellow rose appeared in his hand. The cat could see the man's fingers faintly through the illusion. Turning towards Jayala, he bowed slightly, please accept this token of my sincere apology for my boorish behavior. The girl's hand reached out for the flower and Kathkin felt a sudden unfocused wave of power surge through the hall. Thank you, Master Renard, you always did have an exquisite eye for detail. Jayala remarked while smelling the now real, flower. You have just seen a very solid demonstration of the lesson I failed to push through young minds focused only on their next meal. What you just saw was a phenomenon that I call spontaneous belief. If you can generate an illusion that completely convinces your audience and tie it into a narrative, then there's a chance that you can trigger a wave of belief that will spontaneously make your illusion manifest in an act of creation that we cannot explain. All of you contributed energy to this transformation and if you think about it, you feel like you just cast a minor spell. Master Renard paused for a few moments then continued. Earlier you saw me approach journeywoman Jayala. I was aggressive and made some nasty allegations. As I approached her, I was lightly clicking my fingers to build a rhythm. The journeywoman could see that I was preparing to cast. She had several options but decided to use an illusion to shatter my concentration. Rather than building an illusion from scratch which would have taken too long she drew on her own experience. You should also note that she has performance trained her cat, which enabled her to use it to distract me for the few vital seconds she needed to cast her invocation. Her illusion would have disrupted my spell, had I been casting, but because you all were totally committed to my performance and were on her side, we all actually summoned wet oak leaves from the fairy realm, just so they could hit me in the face. There was a sudden outbreak of laughter and spirited conversation as Master Renard turned back to Jayla's table and having asked to join them sat down. Is that the type of explanation you can work with journeywoman? Renard smiled at her, if I didn't know that you were the worst student in your year for illusions and only passed due to your exceptional vocal talents, I would have believed it myself. The youngsters who witnessed that will tell their families and old friends about what happened here. Most bards love to show off. Being the center of attention is as important to them as the air that they breathe, so I expect many of them will say things like it was a good illusion and would have fooled ordinary people, but I naturally knew it for what it was. At least I hope they act true to type. Tonight, as you undoubtedly realize, we only have the full bardic students in the room, in other words those who have at least a basic knowledge of performance magic. Their less talented fellows will of course want to know what happened. By this time tomorrow, at least a dozen different stories will be circulating and the most outlandish of them will easily obscure the actual truth. Master Kalpin, agreed before taking a sip of wine. And hopefully we will have established the fact that whenever Master Kath, cast something that only a mage could do, any witnesses will think that Jaila has done one of her trademark illusions that she ties to the antics of her trained monkey during her performances. The master suddenly went as red as his namesake, I am sorry noble cat, I meant no insult. None taken, it is an apposite description of the relationship you want people to see. The cat smiled at the master, who noticed that the tips of Kafkin's fangs were clearly visible. Master Renard? Timon spoke up, somehow both stern and diffident at the same time. Yes journeyman? The craftmaster answered with a question of his own. From the tone of your voice I realize that you intend to criticize me. Before you tell me why, is it normal for journeymen to chide masters in your halls? 
only when the senior is being a complete idiot. Master Kalpin interjected dryly. In that case they have a mandated duty to intervene when their superior's actions put a patient at risk. Understood, but what did I do to raise your ire, young man? Well Master, you told everyone that the leaves, and by implication the power that Kath used was drawn from the Fey realm. Timon spoke respectfully, covering his conversation by pouring some wine for the Bardic Master. It isn't something we want to make public. I could see why you'd be careful about something like that were it true, but I know Master Kath drew that image from the mundane world, it was just too powerful. I'm interested in your reasoning for that deduction, Renard. Kalpin asked his fellow master, I thought that windstorm tasted of autumn. Master Kalpin you are right to say that there was more than a touch of the autumnal season about those leaves. However, it is just not possible for anyone in this hall to have summoned anything from the fairy realm. Renard made a small brushing motion and Jyla remembered how aggravating his current tone of voice and the prissy mannerisms that had accompanied it had been during his lectures. As any bard here will tell you all the timber work of this hall is secured with magically stabilized cold iron and mages were employed to build permanent wards into the foundations. No ordinary fae can summon magic within those defenses. To do so they would have to be a member of one of the four courts and in good favor with the queen. Apart from that they would have to have been invited inside as a friend. In the unlikely event that a powerful fae managed to penetrate our wards I believe their magic would be attenuated. Master Renard, I believe that we have been rather Ramies. Jaila, spoke formally. Please let me introduce you to Kath, named Freind Elf and the Kath Yer Hydref by Modrib, Brennan is Fower Yer Hydref, herself. Please remember he was invited into the hall when he was unconscious, Master Kalpin added helpfully. I recall Mistress Hawthorne calling him a friend of Melday, only this evening. Timon added happily looking at the expression of shock on the man's face. Fortunately, I'm house-trained. The cat purred loudly. Welcome to Melday Kath, Elf friend, and Autumn Cat, so named by Modrid the Great Queen of Autumn, Renard responded formally. I'm glad you're on our side. If you were hostile our defenses would have been compromised. Should you have time whilst you are here, I would love to converse at depth with you, as I have never heard of the Autumn Cat before. I think it took the she the court by surprise of well, the cat purred. I think the Autumn Queen enjoys playing with them. The fae can be very feline in their capriciousness. Master Renard raised his glass as if to toast Jaila, but he kept his eyes firmly on Kath's face. As a bard I've studied the myths and legends of our society. Throughout those tales there are heroes and villains who seem to defy the accepted norms. In the stories these beings usually find themselves in the center of the gathering storm. I wonder if you are one of these stormy petrels or just an anomaly. If you are one of these special characters, then I'll do everything I can to help you. With that Master Renard stood up and stalked back to his place at the master's table. Master Renard is sometimes difficult to work with and can be very pedantic, Jaila observed with feeling. He is, however, a brilliant teacher who works ceaselessly to ensure that all his students achieve at least some level of success. If he offers to help us choreograph our performances so that our different magics work together, then Kath, we need to accept his offer. My dear friend, while we are at Melday I will listen to your advice. Everyone had finished their meals and Kath could notice that people were moving their chairs round so that they were looking at the stage. A few apprentices were placing instruments on the tables behind the performance area. What are they doing? Timon asked, I thought you all had your own instruments. It is a tradition that members of the college who perform in this hall use a standard set of instruments, so that they can be judged solely on their skills. It was actually brought in so that apprentices who haven't yet made their apprentice piece are not discouraged when they have to perform on an inferior instrument. She looked at her friends fondly. I will be asked to play so I might as well volunteer and get it over with. Kathkin, 
If you could act like a talented pet, I'll be grateful. The cat purred his consent. Jaila stood up and turned to the master's table, Mistress Hawthorne, I would play for the college. Journeywoman, please take the stage. The old lady smiled encouragingly, and gestured to the performance area. Jaila slapped her hand lightly against her thigh in a simple rhythm and smiled at Timon. The journeyman healer nodded in understanding and started slapping the table with the same beat. Dance with me, she whispered to Kathkin then she started moving. She danced to the music ensuring that her movements followed the same predictable pattern. The cat watched her through two repetitions then jumped from the table and started flowing round her feet. As he moved other people in the audience started lightly pounding their tables. The cat, not wanting his friend to be drowned out started gathering power from the noise. He visualized, light like small fireflies, clinging to the ends of his friend's hair and liking the effect he drew some energy from the lamps to darken the room and added a few more sparks. The girl started singing, at first it was wordless, just carrying a melodic line as she danced onto the stage. An apprentice passed her a satol then stepped back as her fingers checked the tuning. Satisfied with the instrument she started playing properly her fingers taking over the melody from her voice. She had played this tune when they had been camping and had encouraged Kathkin to accompany her. He started purring, adding a bass rumble that she somehow managed to amplify. Then she sang. Although the tune was obviously one that most of the company were familiar with, he could tell that the words were new. She sang of her abduction, her rescue, and the aftermath. Not the truth but the version they had agreed to spread. She finished with a hopeful flourish and bowing her head stood silently. Kathkin released his spell gradually, so the sparks faded away. There was absolute silence, then as the lights brightened someone started stamping on the floor, then in an avalanche of sound everyone was stamping and cheering. Master Kalpin was surprised as he had heard that in the Bardic College's applause was normally limited to light foot tapping so that the audience did not disrupt the performances. Jayla passed the satol back to the waiting apprentice and raised her head, Timon could see the streaks of tears running down her face. The girl opened her arms slightly and the big ginger cat surged up into her embrace and placed his forehead against hers. It was such a touching scene that it took the healer journeyman a while to realize that although the emotion was real the pose itself was studied and obviously rehearsed. Timon had liked the young bard since he first met her and although he had seen her perform before it had never been in such an intimate setting. As is the custom in bardic colleges a master normally comments on any performance in the main hall. Mistress Hawthorne had risen to her feet unnoticed. I don't want to delegate the honor to any of my colleagues. I also do not want to remove anything from what the journeywoman just did. We struggle to tell our students of the importance of bringing all elements of their performance together. What you have just witnessed is a masterful demonstration of our art. The bard Jaila, mixed instrumentation, vocals, movement, and timing with an exquisite use of performance magic. I hope you'll notice that she adapted a well-known tune to her new lyrics altering the pitch and length of notes to achieve the effect that she wanted. Having worked with her when she was a student, I am certain that, that her lyrics and arrangement are ready to be given to the copyist. It will be available in the library the day after tomorrow. As you all know, I have been opposed to bards having performing animals, what I saw just now has changed my mind and I task all the masters to discuss this matter with their students and report to me at next week's meeting. Jayula, thank you. Please retake your seat. The old woman looked around the hall, then gestured to a young black-haired boy. Apprentice Jansik I have heard good things about your progress on the harp, would you please be good enough to entertain us for a set? Jayula walked back to her seat, a few people reached out to pat her as she passed. As she sat Timon handed her another wine glass which she sipped at appreciatively. Young woman I have never seen a bard at the height of their power before. Master Kalpin smiled at her. I've just had to reevaluate much of what I knew to be true. 
Jayala blushed but raised a glass in acknowledgement of his compliment. The master healer turned to his journeyman, Taimon, I want you to take a message to Lord Harris, describe what you saw here tonight, and tell him that I think that we should present Jayala and Kath to the meeting at the end of the month. Yes master, do you want me to return here afterwards? No, I would like you to handle healer hall business at King Vernon's Hall, for a week before coming on to my hall. I will stay here for two weeks while Kath has a chance to learn some of the aspects of magic that Lantern wasn't interested in. The young man opened his mouth to protest but his superior continued, be assured I will travel back to my hall in company. We will not travel unguarded. With the Darltorian so active, I trust you will join a well-defended merchant train, the young man insisted. No time on, Jayula and I will see Master Kalpin safely back, Kathkin said quietly. I think large groups of people could attract a lot of Darltorian attention. On our own we have access to three of the schools of magic and should be able to slip through unnoticed. I concede the point, though I won't be happy until you reach the hall. Timon smiled at them. As I am to ride early tomorrow journeywoman, perhaps you could show me Melday's grounds by moonlight? Since you are leaving tomorrow journeyman, I'd enjoy that. Jayla rose to her feet and offered time on her arm. Kathkin watched his friends walk towards the door and felt a deep happiness along with emotions that he had never felt before. They make a good couple, Master Kalpin. Mistress Hawthorne motioned for the healer to remain seated as she joined them at their table. I think we may have to decide whether to assign them to a healer hall or to Melday. I would team them up as an experiment and give them the same journey route, Mistress Hawthorne. The healer smiled, I think Jayala still has a few years of wandering to do before she would happily settle, even at Melday. Perhaps you are right, Master Healer. The old woman poured herself some wine and looked musingly at the door through which the young couple had left, she sipped and then said quietly, it might be better for a bard, healer and sorcerer partnership to practice working together far from any town. And inflammable buildings. I think you would agree Master Cat. The cat stared at the old lady, and slowly tilted his ears forward in a polite inquiry. Young cat, I have used bardic magic for many decades, and I know what a bard is capable of doing. Jayala's musical performance was excellent. However, it was obvious to me that the whirlwind of leaves and the beautiful sparks were the work of a mage, or perhaps a sorceress cat. From what I've been told, I'm not certain that anyone has ever discussed the differences between our different types of magic with you. Only in very general terms, Mistress, Kathkin purred. I want to learn as much as I can. I have noticed that I can use music as a source of power for my own spells and think that I can, in turn, feed energy into Jayala's casting, although I don't know for certain. Now that's an interesting revelation, that we need to investigate. Master Kalpin started enthusiastically only to fall silent as Mistress Hawthorne shushed him. Master Healer, I agree that we need to look into this matter carefully, but perhaps we should cover the basics first for Master Kath's benefit. The Healer nodded his assent, and Mistress Hawthorne continued. There are five recognized branches of magic that are officially recognized in the realms, these are of course healing, bardic, magecraft, magicanical and sorcery. The last type is viewed with great suspicion as most humans cannot handle that amount of power and seem to get corrupted by it. Other types of magic exist, of course, but for now, I think we should focus on the types that are most likely to affect you. What did Lantrini explain to you about the way magic works in our world? Not much, Mistress Hawthorne, Kathkin spoke slowly after some thought. I was only an unthinking kitten when he performed the rituals that made me into his familiar. I realized that initially I was nothing but a tool for him to use. In effect I was like a tap on a beer keg, when my master wanted to cast a spell, he just turned on the faucet and his magic made me draw the power he needed. 
As I got older, he taught me how to draw the power I needed for my own spells but when he cast, he normally unthinkingly, just pulled the power he wanted without my cooperation. As to where the power I drew came from I didn't understand that until later. Calf, I don't want to insult Lantrony, Master Kalpin sighed sadly and poured a small amount of water into his wine. He is after all a mage and they do tend towards arrogance, but the way most wizards use other living creatures as expendable tools to prevent them suffering from the effects of a power backlash if a ritual goes wrong is nothing but shameful. Does that explain why healers don't have familiars? Kathkin asked. Exactly, young cat. The master healer smiled at his feline friend, we are dedicated to succoring the sick and injured so it wouldn't fit with our ethos to risk serious harm to any creature. Except apprentices. Mistress Hawthorne interjected. During the course of healing one of our patients. Master Kalpin concluded ignoring the bard's quip. I know that Jayala builds energy for casting her spells through the music she plays. I think that the rhythm somehow taps into the same reservoir of power that I used to tap for my master. That is familiar enough to me that I can understand the process, but what do healers do? The bard gestured to the healer to continue. Magical charges come into being as the result of several natural phenomenon. The main two that concern healers accrue from the movements and emotions of growing things and elemental action, such as the babbling of a brook over a small lip of stone. Master Kalpin paused for a moment as Kathkin meowed softly in confusion and nodded as he understood the cat's thoughts. From your account you have been using these elemental interactions to directly power your cantrips and minor spells, but you draw on a much bigger reservoir of power to drive your larger enchantments. Through some mechanism we don't understand the small charges that are generated by these elemental interactions are absorbed by some, mainly crystalline minerals, and where there is a large deposit, it is possible for a massive potential to build up. Isn't that a bit dangerous, if the power can enter the mineral does it ever overload, explosively? It sometimes does young cat, however normally these highly crystalline rocks leach their excess charge into other less organized rocks or into groundwater which over time leads to a general reserve of power with lower potential. Lower potential? Mistress Hawthorne leaned forward and lightly tapped the table to get his attention. This is the magical field that surrounds us, it is slowly absorbed by susceptible plants and minerals and, with a few exceptions, these naturally occurring concentrations account for most healer magic although they can gather energy and cast in a similar way to us. We bards draw directly on the general low-level magical field, a bit showy but still our spells usually gather energy over several minutes. The cat nodded sagely, thank you I can see what you mean, though I would like to know more about these rock formations, as being able to find them might be a useful skill. Master Kalpin told you that the excess charge in the deep rocks usually dissipates through less organized materials, Mistress Hawthorne smiled at them then gently refilled her glass again, sometimes the highly crystalline rocks are surrounded by disorganized materials and the energy can't diffuse so it gradually builds up to critical level. When an isolated, big deposit absorbs too much energy and explodes we experience earthquakes or volcanoes. Mro, Kathkin explained in surprise, then after a few minutes thought gathered himself. Do you think it would be possible for me to feed energy into one of these deposits? No. The two masters said in unison, before Master Kalpin continued, I don't know if you could do it, but I think there would be a lethal backlash if you tried. Oh, I won't try, he sounded a bit disappointed, then with a flick of his whiskers he smiled. So Master Kalpin, how exactly do healers use magic? Our major magical ability is what we call biomancy, which is the ability to manipulate the body's own faint magical field to cure diseases or promote wound healing. To do this we are trained to examine aura so that we can see the disturbances caused by sickness or injury. 
In effect this is our high magic and occasionally several healers need to work together to gather sufficient energy when the malady is particularly severe. We can be assisted by a bard since the body has its own natural rhythms which can be boosted by sympathetic musical notes. Or disrupted, the cat reflected recalling how Jayala had slain the bandits who had attacked her. A lot of our work however uses the magical charges that build up in some plants. Master Kalpin continued, enthusiastically, and Kath realized that the man must be a good teacher. The willow tree, for example, grows by the side of rivers and soaks up a lot of the energy released by running water, again through a process we do not fully understand. Running water is soothing and thus the willow's bark can be ground up and used as a remedy for headaches. I understand Master Kalpin, the cat purred appreciatively, in a similar manner Skullward has become a bane. Lantrini told me that it often marked the sites of old battles or places where massacres had happened, but I hadn't appreciated the link. Exactly right young cat, Master Kalpin beamed at Cathan and took a sip of wine. Skullward is a dire poison, although in minute doses it can bring ease to people with some really serious illnesses. You might be interested to know that the lovewort is a very close relative to its dire cousin. Our bardic colleagues always gather samples of new plants they find and sketch them growing in their natural habitat so the healers can assess if they have any beneficial use. How did you work out that skullwort had any good properties? It is a satisfying story, my friend. A farmer, while known as a good man, changed into a violent brute over several months. Eventually his wife, acting to protect her children, put skullwort into his food. She got the dose wrong and rather than killing him outright he ended up in a deep coma. She took a knife and although she did puncture his chest found that she could not finish him off. There was a healer hall a few miles away, so she got a farmhand to place her husband in a cart and took him there. Fortunately, there was a good chirurgeon there who listened to her story and then examined the man's aura. He determined that some type of malignant growth had developed in the man's brain and the pressure had caused his character to change. These growths were well known and understood but were then beyond our capabilities to treat since the patients inevitably died during surgery. The healer realized that the farmer was close to death and decided to try to remove the growth. He had no expectation of success but knew that if the man died during treatment the wife would not be burnt for murdering her husband. To his surprise the skullward had lowered the body's natural rhythms to such an extent that the patient was hovering on the brink of death, this gave the healers enough time to remove the growth and repair the damage. After a few days the man awoke restored to his old self. After a period of trial and error, and not a few condemned prisoners who risked their lives for a pardon, we worked out how much skullwort was needed to produce that type of coma. Lanterny never told me that about the plant. Master Kath, it is a craft secret so I trust you will not divulge it to anyone else. Some knowledge is too dangerous to be broadcast. The healer held the cat's eyes until Kathkin chirruped in agreement. Smiling the man continued. Since the bardic colleges often work with the healer halls a lot of our herb law is freely shared with them as it makes sense for the wider traveling bards to be able to treat common ailments. Chirurgery is not of itself magical. We study anatomy as apprentices and learn how open the body to perform simple repairs, in effect it is like the work a tinker does to repair worn-out pots and pans. Mistress Hawthorne sniffed loudly, it also takes many years of study and practice before you can repair a body safely. Now that my friend has given you an overview of his craft's magical use. I think I'd better summarize bardic spell crafting, although I think some of this will be familiar to you. Bards use magical vibrations to affect the world around them. To do this we produce music which we modulate to produce the effects we want. Although we can cause physical changes, most of our spells affect the human mind. All our apprentices are taught to read the mood of an audience and then to adjust it. A good bard can turn an angry mob into a holiday crowd or the reverse just through the power of their oratory. 
Our magic amplifies this ability. On the surface our journeymen spend their time entertaining the population of smaller towns and villages and most people don't realize that our major functions are to both gather and disseminate news. In times of crisis the king sometimes asks the colleges to help control panic and boost support for unpopular measures. I've watched Jayla work, Mistress Hawthorne, Kath said reflectively. It seems to me, though, that when someone knows that the bard can alter their mood, they stop being susceptible to mere oratory and are much harder to ensorcel. How do you cope with that? We have to change the focus of their attention. My preferred method was to just play music or sing, without using any magic to enhance my performance. Remember these are communities that normally only have a few amateur musicians so listening to a properly trained instrumentalist is a rare experience. Once an audience is fully engaged, a bard can use their choice of music to adjust their mood, then when they are more receptive, we start using magic to strengthen the effect of their performance. Following Jayala's performance tonight I think she will work with you to captivate her audience, perhaps comedy might be a good idea if you don't mind being laughed at. As a cat, I hate people treating me as a figure of fun and would normally hate being in that situation. However, I have noticed that people tend to underestimate anyone they laugh at, so it might work in our favor in a hostile village. Mistress Hawthorne reached out and patted him approvingly. He purred loudly at her touch, so she started stroking him under the chin. It was only when he winked at her that she realized that he was putting on a show for everyone in the hall. She winked back and then continued her lecture. In order to gather energy for our spells we use the natural rhythms, such as a babbling brook, that surround us to provide the core to our incantations. You will have noticed that when Jayala is casting during a performance the spell is contained in an improvised harmony to the tune she is playing. Of course, when she casts in combat, she usually just builds energy and uses a single pure note to release the spell. Because she isn't using music to support the spell the effects are much less powerful. Of course, our spell casting is much more complex in practice but I'm certain that the two of you can discuss this point in more detail as you travel together. It seems to me, Mistress Hawthorne, that fundamentally we all cast spells in the same way. We decide on the result we want to achieve then gather power from the environment before casting. Why don't bards cast mage spells? It is a matter of how much power a caster can handle without brain damage. Master Kalpin took up the conversation. Trying to use too much power can easily result in physical damage from minor nerve damage to aneurysms or even having the blood in your brain boil. Even without catastrophic results using too much power can easily exhaust the caster. Each spellcaster is different and can handle different amounts of power, the master healer paused for a moment and thought. When you were in Henstrackle did you ever spend times in the gardens? Yes of course, Lanterny often needed natural items for spell components, and they were the best place to look for them. He paused for a moment as a realization occurred to him, and all those natural ingredients were things that had absorbed magical potential from the environment and my master used them to help shape his spells almost in the same way that a harness maker uses pegs driven into a wall to support the tack he's making. So, we saw the gardeners working? Kalpin waited until the cat nodded, before continuing. Healers are like the small watering cans used for delicate plants, we have a very small reservoir of power, and it comes in a trickle. Bards are like one of the small barrels the gardeners push round on a cart with a short hose attached, more power and they can deliver it quickly but run the risk of running out. And mages are like the hogshead of beer I saw drop from a cart in the marketplace, a flood of power but quickly over if the practitioner isn't careful? Kathkin asked. Very good young cat, Master Kalpin smiled at him, and familiars are like a conduit that keep that hogshead topped up. And the reason that I need training, and a sorcerer is feared, is that without proper training and drilled in limits someone with my abilities can be like a volcanic eruption. 
The cat paused for a moment as his tail lashed in what Master Kalpin thought was distress. That analogy worries me, I was very lucky that I didn't kill a lot of innocents in Lord Vernon's hall. I am pleased to hear you say that Kathkin. I must admit that I have been worried about your maturity of thought, and whether we could trust you to act properly. Mistress Hawthorne reached out and touched his paw with a fingertip. The reason I came over to talk was to invite you and Jaila, along with Master Kalpin, before he leaves, to join me for an early breakfast, tomorrow morning in my private quarters. The mistress of Melde turned to Master Renard and nodded once. The stood up and gracefully made her way over to the next table, as if her conversation with them had been routine. Copyright 2022 Robert M. Moore, All Original Rights Reserved